So we have been all month of December, we have been doing this message called Heaven Came Down. And, uh, and so each week we've been focusing out of Isaiah, Isaiah 9, uh, verse 6 in particularly, and talking about the four names that uh, Christ was named in Isaiah or these titles that, that Jesus had in Isaiah that they gave the Savior. And the first week we talked about Jesus's name and, and, and we all learned that Jesus's name isn't really Jesus. Um, that that is our variation. And if you are interested in what I mean by that and you weren't here, you can go back on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or our website and you can uh, listen to that. But uh, as we learned that Jesus's uh, name would have been a variation of Joshua. Um, and then the next two weeks, we took uh, apart wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Uh, some of you probably thought I preached the quickest message ever last week. Um, don't get used to it. Uh, so uh, I was just threatened that, that if I didn't, that y'all would have to stay longer, and I didn't want to do that to y'all. And then y'all surprised us, and by the way, we're still blown away by that. Um, but this week, we're going we're gonna to end it, and we're going to read more than Isaiah 9, 6. We're going to backtrack a little bit to, to verse 2, and we're going to read 2 through 6, and we're going to kind of paint this picture of what the Israelites heard when they read this set of scriptures. So Isaiah 9, verse 2 through 6 says this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So there's now this context to this scripture. You know, we read Isaiah 9, 6, and it sounds so wonderful, you know, for, for us, for unto us, a child is born. Uh, and, and when we go forth in that, we're like, yes, this is beautiful. But now you kind of paint this picture in verse two through five of what Israel hears. That there will be, they've been living in slavery. They've been living in darkness. And they're saying, hey, look, those that are living in darkness, a light is coming. Hey, hey, those that are over, overwhelmed and overburdened, your yoke is about to be lifted. We're going to enlarge the nation of Israel. We're, we're going to, listen, the, the blood-stained uniforms of the, of the warriors are going to be burned in the fire because you're no longer going to have to fight. This sounds like a savior who is riding in to defeat an army. This sounds like a political stand. And so Israel has it in their head that the savior is going to come as somebody who has power and authority, because we know that the Bible says that he comes from the bloodline of kings. We know that it says that, that his family is a, a bloodline of, of David, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are powerful names in, in the Jewish world. And so when they think that a savior is coming, they think one mightier than David. He killed Goliath. How, how much more will our savior defeat and they can't wait for the Savior to come. But then you get to that Isaiah 9, 6, 
For unto us a child is born, a son is given. And it kind of almost like, you know, subtly drops the floor out because it takes it from this mighty warrior king to this baby. Humble, defenseless, unprotected, can't do anything on its own. It's like this mighty warrior. And then it says, but I want you to see how he's going to come. Just like everybody else. He's going to come as a child. He's going to come where, where, where somebody's going to have to take care of him and, and feed him and nurture him. And he's going to have to grow just like every other human. And so this morning, as we look at this Christmas message and we look at who Christ is in our life, what he came for and paint this picture. I want us to, to see three main things. And the first one is this, is that straight from Isaiah 9, 6, a child is born to us, a son is given. Because if we don't start there, we will mispaint the picture of Jesus every single time. If all we ever see him is as the mighty king, then we will forget the compassionate humility in which he came. Not even in a hospital not even in a home, but in a manger. If you've got Amazon Prime, there's a, um, there's a four-part series. I think it's called The Nativity. It's an interesting watch. It's not long. It's four different parts. I think they're like 30 to 45 minutes a piece. And it paints a, a more, I'm going to say a more human, human, humanistic. That's a word. I'm making things up. Okay. Just roll with me. Humane. Maybe a little bit better. <laughs> Picture of Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph. And it really brought, listen, we don't know what Mary and Joseph's relationship was like. You got to remember, this is a arranged marriage. The Bible says that Joseph could have had her stoned, killed for having a baby out of wedlock. Because let's just be real. If anybody came to you and said, I'm pregnant and God put the baby in there. No. No, you did something wrong, and now your far-fetched thoughts are getting to you. Could you imagine Mary trying to explain it to her mom and dad? And this, 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 uh, this Amazon Prime, it's a, I think it's a BBC, um, it, it's UK did it, um, so you know, it's probably a little funny. They actually can pick up British accents, which is really hilarious. Um, but the, this idea, this picture of it, is Joseph not liking Mary very much. And we don't think about that because the picture gets painted that Joseph, the angel comes down and Joseph just goes, okay, we're going to have a baby, baby Jesus, right? I mean, th does anybody ever stop and think, how does Joseph really feel about this? Your betrothed wife who is supposed to be a virgin is pregnant and you're supposed to believe that God put it in there. You don't think that Joseph didn't have some emotions going, lady, be lucky that I'm not killing you. And there's this beautiful, tragic picture in this series, in the last one, where they're coming into Bethlehem and they're going to his family's house. Because remember, he has to go back there for the census. So his fam part of his family lives there. So he's going back to his family expecting, which probably would have been true, expecting to be housed. They get there and his family says, not with that woman. The, the, 
the real side of what they walk through. Was it that there was no room or was it that nobody wanted to give room to a harlot? Because though Joseph may have had a dream from Gabriel saying, hey, listen, this is what's going on. He still had to, he still had to wrestle with this. And then explain it to his family. But the only place they could find was a place where the animals lie. A place where smelly, stinky cows and sheep and chicken and all sorts of other. Listen, we, we can paint a beautiful felt picture of Jesus in the manger, but the reality is he was born amongst poop. He was born amongst smelly cattle and sheep. This is, this is the, if we really want to talk reality, a, a child was born and a son was given in the most lowliest way possible. But he, Jesus just wasn't just born. I believe that the Bible is very specific in the words it uses. So when it says that a son is given, this is an intentional act. This is an act that God knew that he would have to send his son to earth to live amongst his creation so that there could be a remedy to sin, a remedy to pain, a redemption to hurt that none of us could do. If, if Without Jesus, we'd still be rolling our sins forward, not forgiven, rolled forward in hopes that when we die, that we have, have, have sought God enough and we've done all the right things based off of the law, that God would welcome us in to his eternity. Jesus is a gift for redemption, hope, love, and relationship. It's not just a cute story told during Christmas, but a hope-filled and tragically authentic story that changes the lives of those who choose to follow him and only those that choose to follow him. It is a cute story for those that want to listen, and it is an amazing redemptive story for those that want to follow him. There's no redemption if you don't follow him. The reality of, of heaven is that not all will enter. And it's not God's doing. It's our choice. Like how, how amazing that is that, that God created us and he created us with a choice to choose whether or not we would love him or not. Breathe life into us. And then when we screwed that up, he sent his only son, Jesus. And he could have sent him in any way. He could have sent him to live a king's ransom and make rules and laws that we would now have to follow. But he sent him as a baby in a manger, made him walk a life that would lead him to the cross where a perfect man would die and, and, be, and bleed for our sins and our hurts so that we could be redeemed so that three days later he could rise again and set forth a redemptive value in a relationship between humanity and God. But we only get that if we choose to follow him, not go through religious uh, uh, acts, not go through the, the checklist, not just have it in our head, but that we live it in our heart, in our life. It's not what Jesus can do for me, but that Jesus came. Like, I want you to hear that this morning. We don't follow Jesus because he can do stuff for me. I follow Jesus because he is the gift. Jesus is the reason that I live. 
Everything else that Jesus does in our lives is a blessing. It is the grace and mercy of the Father who gives his children good gifts. God has to do nothing else for us, but he sent his son so that we may have eternal life. And yet, God shows up all the time giving us gifts through grace and mercy. Helping us when we struggle. Walking us through tough times, bad choices, so a son was given to us. John 3.16, right? I mean, it's not up there, but think about it. Think about the words that are used in this scripture. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Isaiah 9.6, a son is given. These aren't by happenstance. They, this isn't an accident that it was written that way. It's because God wants you to understand that he has sacrificed too. He had to give of himself the son to humanity to die for our sins because we got it wrong in the first place. You know anybody else that's willing to do that? Listen, I've got kids of my own, and it's cute to say that I would die for them, and I think that I would. I hope that I would, but the reality is none of us really know. We, we like to throw that stuff out there. Oh, I'd die for them. Let's just be honest. There's very few people in this world that I'm willing to die for. Very few. Because why would I give up my own life for somebody else to live if it doesn't have a value to it. When Jesus, when God sends his son, he says, I'm going to, not just so that you can live, but that you could live eternally. So that you can have joy on earth, but the joy that's coming, we, don't, we can't even put words to, we can't even put emotion to. Like, think about your greatest day. Think about the greatest moment of your life and times that by a thousand, and I believe that you've just scratched the surface of what heaven will be like. Son is given to us today. The second thing that I want us to hear in, in this set of scriptures in this Christmas morning is this, is that hope birthed that morning and joy was filled. Look, look, at, look at the very first part of Isaiah 9. It says, the people who walk in darkness will what? See a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will what? Rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. I, the way I picture this is, is think about, you know, cheering on your favorite team, okay? When they're doing good, oh man, I don't care what sport it's in. I don't care. Listen, maybe you're a golf person and you cheer on the golf ball. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, I'm not a golf guy, obviously. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a football, basketball, baseball. Um, but, uh, you, know, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you cheer on, think about that. The, the, God created us with emotion. Amen? Okay, gentlemen, I want you to know you have emotions too. Okay? Um, and it's not just anger. And it's funny because guys will say, oh, we're not emotional, but like, Get us cheering on our favorite team, and we're loud, and we're boisterous, and, we're, and, and, and it changes our whole mood. A couple years ago, when the Cowboys lost to the Niners the first time in the playoffs, I know I'm bringing back hurt to some Cowboy fans. I'm sorry. Okay? Just, we'll have the altars open afterwards, okay? Um, but listen, I had worked through a lot of things in my life. Okay, I used to be an angry Cowboys fan because after the 90s, they didn't do so well, okay, because I got to see them in their greatness, and, and then I didn't, okay, and then it was like, you know, these, these, this, this horrible season that we're still in. Uh, I feel like the Israelites wandering around in the desert. Um, we're going to get to the promised land again at some point, and, uh, and, and, but I had learned one, one day, one day, I was watching a game, and God said, I wish you cheered for me the way that you cheer for your team. 
okay, right, like my toes got real curled in. Like I'm like, God, you need to hush your face trying to watch me the football game, not get me some Jesus right now. Okay, and Jesus was like, I, you know, that's what I wish. And then, like, I started to realize, like, how, why am I letting a football team that doesn't even know my name dictate my whole day? And so, like, I worked through it to where if they lost, it was like, oh, that stung, but I'm not going to let it impact my day. And so fast forward, like, three years ago when we lost this game against the Niners, and I was bitter and I was hurt. Because why? Because hope had filled my life again. We had made it to the playoffs. We were going to the championship. Okay, if you know anything about Cowboys fans, there's no in between. There's like, what was us? And we're going to the championship. And I was hurt and I was mad. And my wife goes, I haven't seen you like this in a while. And I said, I know. I said, it, it. and I almost, I had to check myself and I had to like go and like just reset my brain and, and, and have a, a moment with, with Jesus because I had allowed it to. So we get these emotions, but that's, I, I believe it's God given. We just got to, emotions are great Servants and horrible masters. Amen? And so, uh, and so we get to this point, this, this idea that that's, that's the picture that it paints for me when it talks about uh, people rejoicing as I think of how I cheer on my team, how I cheer on uh, my kids when they're, when they're doing their sports. That, that pride, that proudness that rises up in you to say that, that that's, I'm a part of that. That's the envisionment that God is saying that when Jesus comes and he, and, he, and he builds his kingdom on earth, that that's the, that's the emotion that the, the Israelites are going to have. But really what he was saying, because think about it, he says, we will enlarge the nation of Israel. That's me and you. The New Testament says that we are grafted in to the, not, not just, we're not just adopted sons and daughters like the, the, steps, uh, the redheaded stepchild. Of, of eternity. It says we are grafted in just like we were Jewish. We're part of the family. And so here it is. God is saying, listen, hope is birth. Those in darkness will see a light. Those that, that, that are waiting, the, the nation will be enlarged and a rejoicing will happen. Christ came to set captives free and bring the lost back into relationship with the father. That's what he came for. He didn't come to put more laws and rules and, 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 and weigh us down with, with the, the weightiness of being a, a, a follower of Jesus. Like there's a bunch of do's and don'ts that we have to go through the day figuring out, oh my gosh, I'm not a good follower. Ah, God's going to condemn me. He came to have relationship with us. He came to fill us with hope. Christ literally was born. And died so that dead people can be brought back to life. Newsflash, we were all dead once. We were breathing dead people. Yes, breathing air in and out, but spiritually lost and dead. Not knowing who God was in our life, not knowing the hope of Christ, not knowing the, the, the joy of a Savior. Hope is knowing that no matter what we walk through, there is a Savior. Amen? Your worst day has a savior. Your worst day has somebody that has already defeated it on the cross. The question is, are you going to give it over to him in sacrifice or are you going to try to handle it yourself? And how many know that when you try to handle it yourself, it normally doesn't turn out very well? And, and listen, just so that maybe you feel a little comfort in this, you're not alone. From the beginning of time, people have been trying to figure it out on their own and then they run to God. 
The Israelites, literally, this is, this is the, if you want me to sum up the Old Testament, God had grace on the Israelites, gave them a promised land, and they couldn't even figure that one out. And they, they, they fought against God and they allowed their own pride and they would build their own gods and they would get involved with people that they shouldn't have. And this circle through all of humanity of Israel did the same thing, is that they would run to God and they would ask for forgiveness and he would give them great blessings and great joy. And then they would rebuke that blessing because they got used to it and then they would run from it. And then they'd come back. So when you think, oh, God, why am I here again? Because it's natural for us that when things are good, that we take it back upon ourselves and go, well, life's good again. I guess I don't need God as much as I thought. And he's going, nope, you really do. Because the only reason why you have hope, the only reason why you have joy, the only reason why you can be sustained in the dark times is because in the good times, you know who brought it. Not that I can do it. When I try to do it on my own, I, I fell miserably, but the grace of God says, when you fail, because you will fail, I'm here. But you run back to the Savior and you say, I need you. A hope-filled Savior, not a condemning Savior. A convicting Savior, yes. He's going to tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> Let, there's no two ways about that. Like He's not going to be like, well, just do whatever you want. I'm okay with it. That's a fake God. That's one we built on our own brain. Jesus will convict us. He will not condemn us. He will encourage us. He will equip us. He will challenge and change us. But hope is knowing that no matter what I walk through, God is there and he is challenging me to live just like he designed me in his image. Romans 5, 1, uh, 1 through 5 says this, therefore, since we have, made, have been made right in God's sight by what? By faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and what joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. I, those lines I've never liked in the Bible. <laughs> we can rejoice when we run towards trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Jesus came to change lives, not fill churches. Many times, Jesus sent away hundreds of people. That's backwards to building business. Amen? Like, you know, if you're a business person or if you're a, an organizational person, if you're a lead, like, we are trained to believe that leaders bring people in. Jesus was such a bad leader in that sense. And some of you are like, that's blasphemy. You can't say that. I can't read your Bible. It says that hundreds would come and he would say something crazy and it would say they would leave disheartened. What did, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you going to leave me too? Are, are you going to leave me? And his disciples were like, where else are we going to go? We've given it all up for you, Jesus. It was the ones that were playing religion. It was the ones that were playing half foot, in, one foot in and one foot out. That when it got tough, when they heard something that the pastor said that they didn't like, 
When, when life got a little challenging because the other pastor that I follows tells me that life is supposed to be perfect. And when I become a, a Jesus follower, it's just a bunch of roses and daisies and my finances are perfect and my kids start to behave and, and my wife submits to me. Because that's what the Bible says. Some of you wives are looking at me. Stop glaring at me, okay? Stop it. Right? But think about this. We have this facade of what it means to be a Christian instead of picking up our word and saying, God, what does it really look like? And he says, listen, rejoice when we run into problems and trials. We spend our life trying to run away from problems and trials. When, when tough times come, if we're walking in life, it's like Mario, ding, you know, a little coin comes, we're great. Bowser comes, peace, gotta go. But you can't save the princesses unless you go through the Bowser. Oh, you can't get the life that you want unless you go through the struggles and the trials. You can't find the joy of Christ if you don't walk through the hard times. And so we sit and we wonder why Christianity is boring because we're never willing to actually go through the blessing, which is the hard stuff. The blessing isn't the mountaintop, it's the valley. It's finding out how, not how strong you are, but how strong God is in you. And so some of us sit on the sideline and we go, well, but God didn't do this and God didn't do that. I'm like, well, did you finish your battle yet? (laughs) Or did you run away from your problems and trials? Because the Bible says that we are to rejoice in running into them. You are spiritual first responders. Think about 9-11. Those visions will, listen, if you're too young, you can go watch a documentary. I don't know, but those visions will always be embedded in my brain. I was... 17, 18 years old when that happened, of watching first responders run into buildings they knew were going to collapse, climbing flights of stairs, knowing that they may not see tomorrow, knowing that their loved ones were at home, worried about them. We have a world that is hurt, dying, and needs spiritual first responders that are not afraid to run into the problems and the trials of life. Because when they see us do it with a holy mindset, not perfect, but following Jesus, and they go, oh, that's what the authentic looks like. Oh, 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 they're not just Christian on Sunday. Look, 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 look. They're praying on Wednesday. Which, by the way, we don't have church on Wednesday, so, you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> People all the time go, well, you don't have church on Wednesday. Because, listen, because we have church Monday through Saturday. I want to teach our people to be Christians, not just in the house, but more importantly, outside of the house. I would rather this building get used less and the building of the, the, of the world be used more. That your workplace knows that you love Jesus. That your friend group knows that you love Jesus. That, that everywhere you go, you carry the, the spirit of God inside of you. That when you walk into Walmart, they're like, hope just entered this room. And if you don't think that can happen, get a hold of somebody that knows Jesus and you'll know when they walk in the room. We used to have a, 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 a church that we went, me and Stephanie went to um, when we were teenagers. We had a, a, a lady called Sister Peggy. Sister Peggy's still alive, and she is like the most mightiest prayer word I've ever met. She walks in a room, you know it. Oh, you know it. She's looking for somebody to bless. She's looking for somebody to pray. Her life's goal is to spread God's goodness. Why? Because Jesus came, baby, so that we could live a hope, birth, and joy-filled life. 
Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you look for it, the Trinity is in like so many messages. I pray that God, who's, you know, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him that you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, 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 he's all over the Trinity because God, the father wants to have a relationship with you. God, Jesus, the son is the one that brings it through redemption and through his life and how he died for us. And the Holy spirit is what they left They left us with so that we could live a powerful and mighty life in Christ today. He is our source of hope. And lastly, I want you to understand that Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah 9. Those that are sitting in darkness will see a great light. And maybe you're sitting here and you're sitting in darkness. Maybe you know people that are. Maybe you're, God, I need need a light that shines so bright. The people who walk in darkness will see it. He's not talking about people that are choosing him at this point. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Is it Jesus? Absolutely. Can I, can I extend something to you that is biblical? It's you. People that we encounter every day, they're looking for hope. They're looking for acceptance in all the wrong places. They're looking for love in all the wrong ways. They're walking in darkness and they're, and they're bouncing from thing to thing because they're, they're, fi- they're trying to find something that gives them purpose. This world of great darkness is looking for somebody who will shine a great light. And it doesn't take, listen, this is, you don't have to be super Christian to bring the light. You don't have to walk around with the unbuttoned shirt and I'm here to save the day, super Christian. Listen, you could walk in half limping. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm here. I love God enough that I'm going to, to bring, even if it's a dim light, because I'm walking, because I'm running into the struggles, because I'm running into the pain, because I'm having my hard days, but I'm still carrying my light with me. I'm going to still go to my workplace, and and though I may be having a tough day, I'm still going to carry my light with me. And you know what? I'm going to go tomorrow on Christmas Day, and I'm going to encounter family members that maybe I don't uh, get along with all that great, but guess what? I'm going to carry my light with me. Jesus is the light of the world. John 1, 9 through 12, he says, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is uh, when John the Baptist was speaking. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. That is a hope-filled statement. For all who believe and accept. So here's the reality of it. 
Maybe you've never heard it said this way. If you've been here for any time, you have. Salvation isn't up here. Too many times the church teaches you just memorize a prayer. Just make a statement. Just think a thought. Listen, we're not Peter Pan. Okay? It's not just happy thoughts that get you to heaven. It's in here. Because the Bible says that you have to, the, the profession comes from a heart that believes. It, it's faith that says, I believe that the Savior King came as a humble baby, lived just like me, and chose the cross because he chose me. And if he's the light of the world, and he says that he is in me, and I am the light of the world. Jesus came to be the light, to turn darkness away and the world upside down, to face off with the religious spirit and call humankind to the Father. And with the call to follow him, he calls and challenges us to live for him. I've got two more scriptures for this morning. Philippians 1.27. And I love this scripture. It says, above all. Now, I've told you before, when those words are on scripture, in scripture, it, it, there's a purpose, right? So there's, a, there's a things that they're saying. They're saying, listen, above all, you must. This is not an option, okay? If you choose to follow Jesus, here's some things you have to do. You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Our call this Christmas is to know, that, know where your citizenship is. Know your citizenship. We're all Americans, but guess what? There's not going to be uh, an American uh, branch of heaven. Like, you're not going to get up to heaven and be like, passport? Oh, you're one of them American Christians. Okay, over there. It won't be that. I love America. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But guess what? If, if having to choose between being American or being eternal, citizen, heaven wins every time. Because my citizenship determines my privilege. My citizenship, where I claim to come from, determines my privilege. Do I want the American privilege when it all is said and done, or do I want eternal privilege? I have the freedom of speech, so I say whatever I want and I hurt people. Because I've been told that a lot of times by Christians. Well, I have the freedom of speech. Okay. Read your Bible. Citizenship says that I also have wisdom. James says it's better to shut your mouth and listen than it is to speak. So which citizenship are we owning? Because the blessings and, and the privilege follows the citizenship in which we will claim. And I love that line. Conduct yourself in a manner Worthy of the good news. When you look at this word and you think about the Bible and all that it brings to our lives, are you choosing to live mediocre 
okay, somewhat thriving at times lives? Or are you choosing to go all in and follow a savior king? No matter what the cost, no matter the struggle, no matter how scary it may be. This year, God is calling you out of darkness and into the light and to shine that light everywhere you go. Because the story of a baby in a manger was the beginning of a king on a cross, bringing hope and redemption to each and every one of us. Even the saddest tragedy in this story that our Savior dies has a happy ending because he did it for us. And three days later, he does what no other person can do. And the Godship rises from the grave, snatching the keys to hell, death, and the tomb. The worship team makes its way back up. They're professionals. Don't mind them. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. So we hear Jesus is the light. Amen? Jesus is the light. (laughs) Check this out. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. Okay? I want you to say this. I am the light of the world. Not like you mean it. I am the light of the world. This Christmas, my heart is that you hear this. Not with your ears, as Jesus would say, those who have ears, let them hear. He wasn't talking about the people that weren't deaf, okay? Parents, help me out. You know this. You can be in a room speaking, and nobody hears you. (laughs) We're not going there. (laughs) Leave it to Bill. We'll be praying for his soul afterwards. Think about this. How many have ever walked in the room, started talking, and you, you stop because you know that what, they, what everybody else is hearing is the Charlie Brown teacher. You're like, why am I even speaking? This is what Jesus says when he says, those who have an ear, let him hear, and those who can see, let him see who have eyes, let him see. Is he was saying, listen, if you're, if you're, if you're leaning in, you're going to get some truth. If you're leaning in, you're going to hear the heart of the gospel, the good news, which is that Christ didn't come to put religion on you. He came to give you a hope and a future and a love and a purpose. Your kiddo's walking in to find you. Listen, I'd rather have a a room full of noisy children than a quiet church. Amen. So he says, you are the light of the world. And like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This idea that Jesus came in a manger lowly as a baby, helpless. And I encourage you, if you've never read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I encourage you to read them. Study who Jesus was. Encounter his life as he walks from the baby in a manger to the man on the cross. 
Because in that span of time between the cradle and the cross is the example of how we're to live. And he says, I am the light of the world. I am the way and the truth and the life. I have come so that men may see the Father and change and live differently. And so many times in the gospel, he's, he puts it back on it. He says, now listen, I'm going to go away, but you still got a job to do. The Great Commission, go to all of the places, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Tell them about my Father. And I love the promise. It wasn't just go and do that, but he says, and I will be with you forever. Everywhere you go, every struggle, every valley, every mountaintop, every suffering moment, every heartbreak, and every tragedy, every time you get promoted at your job and you celebrate getting that extra money, and then when the car breaks down and takes it all, amen, it happens. So we celebrate, but we run to the problems. We run through the storms because on the other side is what God is doing. What does he tell David? Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not camping there. You're walking through it. That's why Jesus came. So that you wouldn't have to religiously walk through life. You would have a savior that guides you. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And we walk towards it. And Jesus passes the mantle of the light. Because, listen, he tells his disciples, he says, listen, I'm going to go away and I'm going to go back to the, the, the kingdom. I'm going to send a helper for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to put a light inside of you so that you can shine it to the rest of the world. And go ahead and kill all the lights. Ooh, it's getting dark. Everybody behave. Now, obviously, we've got other lights lit, but the room just got a lot darker. And this is the world we live in. Dimly lit, looking for hope. All it takes is for one person find the hope of Christ. But Matthew just said, we don't, we don't hide it. We don't, we don't walk around like, oh, don't, don't look at my light. I don't want you to call me out on my struggles. I, I don't want you to, to hold me accountable. And so we, we hide it. And we come to church and then we, okay, hold on. It's church time. Time to worship him. Now everywhere I go, Everywhere I go, I'm going to let this light shine. It may not be perfect all the time. It may be wonky. These, these candles were not made for this holder. It's going to move a little bit. It's going to scare you a little bit. Okay? But everywhere I go, I, I take my light with me. And, and what's cool is when we, when we get encouraged, oh, oh none of, nobody up here has one. Okay. I'll come down here. When we pass it on, Oh, 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 see? Come here, here. When we pass it on, fire. 
and we pass it on. All of a sudden, little by little, one light turns into multiple lights. And can I tell you that when you start to live this life, as scary as it may be at first, it gets easier and easier to pass that light on. As we share the hope of Christ, the truth, and your purpose. You know, here at Freedom, we have a, a saying that when you come here, the goal is to find freedom from your past. Freedom. Find a purpose. Future. Hope. All of a sudden, as we... Anybody get this? All of a sudden, the room starts to light up a little more. Interesting thought as I'm walking. As you walk, the light dims a little bit because it's catching resistance. Because as, as I walk, see, it just, it just it, it's, it's going, hey, wait a minute, hold on. I, I'm resisting what's coming against me. The airflow is, is starting. To, listen, there's going to, in life, your light will not always be lit as bright as if you're just standing still. As you walk, we catch each and every person and one light goes to the next. And the next thing you know, we've got a room full of people that know the hope and the truth and the purpose of Christ in their life. But a night 2,000 plus years ago would change our course of history. And we would proclaim forevermore the goodness and grace of God. So Jesus, we are so thankful that you came. And God, we are thankful that you gave. And that he came to be the light of the world. And that today we would be encouraged and challenged to forever live that light. And everywhere we go, people might see the goodness of God in us. And then in a dark and weary world, hope has come. First through a Savior, but now through me and you. That we carry the same spirit, the same purpose to make heaven bigger and to bring eternal purpose. I pray blessing over this season to each and every one of you. May God's glory enrich your houses and may his presence be known everywhere you go. Let us go and be the light to the world. We love you, Jesus, and we proclaim your goodness everywhere. And all of God's people said, amen. 